From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. playoffs gave us total chaos on Sunday huge comebacks massive endings everything down to the wire epic performances but the biggest story of today is for the action that happened on the court but not technically in play as Nikola Jokic gets a technical foul for shoving the owner of the Phoenix Suns. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, Harry, let's make sure that we try and paint this picture as accurately as possible because some mm-hmm. people haven't seen the video at this point. And so you have a very standard play where the ball goes into – the, the fans basically have access to it. It's bounced in. Uh, you've got Matt Ishbia, who is the owner of the Phoenix Suns, sitting there. He gets the ball. Uh, Jokic is still uh, in the area of play, and he's reaching to take the ball. And there's a moment here where like, it seemed like Ishbia didn't really want to give him the ball. So Jokic makes contact with him. He then falls backwards into his seat in this whole sequence in front of the Phoenix bench. Jokic, after the game, not mincing words. We'll hear from him in a second. But Harry, when you saw it, did you feel like this was some egregious, oh my God, moment? It was very funny to me, Fitz. And... I didn't think it warranted a technical foul for Nikola Jokic. But also, I understand Matt Ishbia just became the Phoenix Suns owner. You brought over Kevin Durant. You made a monster trade. There's a lot of splash in Arizona. I mean, they damn so barely get water. So he's making splashes and bringing KD to, 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 to that sunshine. They're doing well in the playoffs. Him and Devin Booker are going off. But Matt Ispia, let me tell you something, sir. Let's let me tell you something. Why are you holding on to the basketball? Give the basketball back to the referee. Give the basketball back to one of the players, in which that case it was Nikola Jokic. There is no reason for you to hold the basketball. But Fitz, let me say this. It was a thing of brilliance by Matt Ispia because it got Nikola Jokic a technical foul. But if we're just being honest about the situation – being an owner of the Phoenix Suns, you can't put yourself in that situation to have or be in the middle of a minor altercation like that where now it's player and owner going at it uh, over a basketball. Just give the basketball back to Jokic and let play resume. Yeah, this is – you know, I, I mentioned you all the time. I was a little brother, and I was a problematic little brother. Like, I used to just antagonize my big brother until I got the snot kicked out of me. Happened a lot. There were times <laughs> that I would go into my mom, and I'd be like, ah, he hit me. And my mom would be like, well, what did you do? And then I'd tell the story. My mom's like, yeah, sounded like you had it coming. I kind of look at all of this like I sounded like like both sides of this were a couple of adults acting sort of like children in this moment. Like, there was probably a nicer way to get the ball, but shouldn't have been holding on to the ball in the first place. And Ishbia reminding us that he did play basketball in Michigan State for anyone that doesn't remember that because he knows how to flop. Like, we, we see the flop go down. The well, that's what, oh, well, let me say this, though, Fitz. Going that's what, I saw that la- that's the part that really made me laugh the most because I said to myself, well, damn, has, has he been taking acting classes as well? <laughs> like, so one of these superstars in film need to, you know, try to cast him to play a role in one of these new upcoming movies because he acted 
just like that. He acted, Fitz. Mm-hmm. He and flopped. Now he, he made it bigger than what it actually was. He's gone to Twitter, and this is in the last little bit. This is the newest development on it, okay? He tweeted out. This is Matt Ishby, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, the new owner. He tweets out, great win for the Suns last night in an amazing series so far! Exclamation point. That should be and is the only story. Suspending or finding anyone over last night's incident would not be right. I have a lot of respect for Jokic and don't want to see anything like that Excited for game five. Go, sons! That's how he tweets it, okay? <laughs> He's missing the, I probably shouldn't have acted like a child. Shouldn't have done, uh, shouldn't have been a part of this. I'm sorry. He's missing any of those elements, but I do love the patronizing way he comes back and says, well, I wouldn't want to see Jokic suspended. Like, of course, but maybe you should also admit that, I don't know, you had some role in this whole thing. Well, of course. Like, but I, I don't think... We're going to have many owners in his situation admit to, to when they're doing wrongdoings Fair. or whatnot. Uh, that's just the history of owners when it comes to any sports. We know that's one thing they struggle with, Fitz, admitting when they are wrong in situations. <laughs> but it was a brilliant move by him. I just wish he wouldn't have done it because I don't think, you know, just because he's an owner, if that was a regular fan, the fan probably would have got ejected from the game. But I don't think just because he's an owner, he should be absolved of, you know, what he did. Just give the ball back to the referee and let, let, let play resume. Man. I, uh, this is one of those moments where I think the league could be very simple. They could find both sides and they could find Jokic because you don't want to set a precedent where he's out there interacting with fan or an owner that way. You find the owner, which is going to be like the cost of, I don't know, a, a cup of coffee to most of us if it's an absorbent amount. You find the owner and just be like, hey, don't act like that anymore. Like, there's a pretty simple solution to all of this, uh, obviously. So you say, huh? Yeah, well. Because I feel the same way you I feel like both of these guys should be fined and things should be moved on. But, oh, time for a conspiracy theory. Oh, boom, boom, boom. Now, the Denver Nuggets have been phenomenal in these playoffs. I won't say the last two games because they allowed Devin Booker and Kevin Durant to just go off. But what if the NBA, because they know everyone wants to see Kevin Durant put the ball in the basket. They want – everyone wants to see Devin Booker put the ball in the basket. What if the NBA comes back and suspends Jokic for a game to allow the Suns to go ahead and go up 3-2 in this series, and then they go from there? Because I, can I be honest with you? I don't want to see the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> I don't want to see the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals as well. So if I feel that way, how many other people – does the NBA feel the same way? Does the National Basketball Association feel the same way I feel? Fitch, do you want to see the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals? Uh, God, no. No. Heck do you I, want to see them in the NBA Finals? No, 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 no. Okay. And no. Uh, I, I, lo- I love this. I'm usually out on conspiracy theories, but I'm in on this one, mostly because on the day of the trade for Kevin Durant, I may or may not have put a couple hundred bucks down on the Suns to make it to the NBA Finals, <laughs> so I could really use that one to pay out. Hey, Evan, Evan's our producer extraordinaire, but Evan's also our residency, resident conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. extraordinaire. Evan, you in on this conspiracy theory? Like, is this, does this, are, are we, what's the conspiracy theory? Yeah, it smells theory? right. Great. It smells right. Okay, this smells right. All right, uh, Dev, you're a big <laughs> NBA head. You, like, you're reading Reddit all the time. Are you going to take this to the Reddit folks? Oh, I don't know if you want I don't know if you want me answering this question. I am deep in the Reddit <laughs> conspiracy theories. I'm just going to I'm just going to save everyone from themselves on this one. Oh my god, this is this is amazing. Uh for all of the conspiracy uh you know com- conversation the question is, will Jokic be suspended? This morning on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, Brian Winhorse, ESPN NBA insider answered that question with what he thinks. 
in talking to folks last night, they did not think that this was suspension worthy. Mm -hmm. um, most of us were wrong on the Draymond Green thing last round. Most of us didn't think that would be a suspension, and it was, so I just have to acknowledge that. Uh, I do not think that, especially going 2-2 in a 2-2 in a series going to Game 5, I do not think that that will happen. I was right on the Draymond suspension, by the way. So uh, I don't think this is suspendable. Uh, but I, but if there is a suspension, man, both Nuggets fans should get really mad about it. Like I mean, this is that moment where like all three Bro, or four like, of them. Like, if, if they suspend Jokic for this nonsense, it tells me everything that I just mentioned beforehand about the conspiracy theory. You know damn well they would not suspend LeBron, Katie, any of those. Like, uh, it, Heck like, no. LeBron could pick up, I don't know, Mark Cuban, carry him across the court, slam him at half court, and they'd be like, that's not a good, uh, good, good strategy moving forward. We would appreciate it if you didn't do that again. I cannot imagine Jokic being actually suspended. Well, Matt Ishbia got to understand that, you know, Jokic is about that life too now. So, <laughs> like, and he has two brothers that are probably somewhere close by. So, uh, if I was Matt Ishbia, I'd be sitting down minding my business if I was him. The one thing that I think makes this interesting is because Ishbia is an owner. And, you know, I heard Jay Will this morning smartly point out that look at Mark Cuban, for example, and the way that he goes up to the officiating table and the scores table and argues calls. Like, owners live by a different set of rules oftentimes. He is, but Matt Ishbia of the Suns is a new owner. So the league does need to make it very clear to him that there's a certain level that will be accepted and won't be accepted, right? Like, I, yep. that's why I wouldn't be surprised to see a little fine. By the way, Michael Malone, the Nuggets head coach, had this to say afterwards. I'm just playing it for you because, frankly, it says censored on there. And anytime it says censored, that means you know a coach had something to say. I think it's crazy that Nicola got a technical foul in that situation. He's going to get the ball, and some, some fan is holding on to the ball like he wants to be a part of the game. Just, just give the ball up, man. You know what I mean? And, you know, they they deemed Nicola doing something that was excessive, I guess, and they gave him the tech, but uh, I still don't really understand it. Do you think the fans, the owner of the Suns, made any difference? I don't give a shit. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what I'm just noticing, too, Fitz? That Isaiah Thomas was sitting right beside Matt Ispia. So he's probably like, oh, hell, bad boy pissing days all over again. Oh, man. 2023. Here we go. And, yeah, today Isaiah's sending a text to Jokic. He's like, just for you and your brothers, just want to make sure you know that yeah, I had, it wasn't, no, it wasn't had me. nothing to do with that. That was that yeah, one. It that, wasn't that was, me. It wasn't a part of <laughs> It was just Matt. It wasn't me. Oh, man. I love just the, the – there's one thing that we have respected a lot on this show over the course of the year, and that's that Coach Malone never minces words when it comes to the way he thinks the Nuggets are playing and now never minces words when he thinks – of uh, an NBA owner. So uh, obviously that's the big controversy. So yeah. we've got a lot. We'll keep you updated. If there's any news on a suspension or non-suspension, you'll hear it here first. Obviously ESPN Radio will keep you updated on every single portion of this as it breaks. But coming up, how can one team be the favorite to win the NBA title when their biggest issue is winning close games? We'll break it down next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Back to Harden, corner three. It's good. James Harden gives Philly the lead. 42 for James Harden. It was a big time win. To be resilient like that and everybody make plays down the stretch, uh, that was big time. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Harden, corner 
up a shot for three. Hits it at the horn. But did he get it off in time? No good. I just watched the replay, Kesty. The fans have seen it. They've decided that game four goes to Philadelphia. It was a big time win. We let the game kind of slip away from us. But to be resilient like that and everybody make play, uh, that was big time. Philly roared out to a huge lead, and the game looked like it was in hand. The Celtics come ripping back, force overtime, and you just heard right there how the game ended. An epic three from James Harden gives the 76ers the win. We watched the Celtics, not for the first time in this year's playoffs, collapse near the end of a game that they should or could have won in that moment. And now we're left to ask a lot of questions about what's happening with Boston. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and HD. I, like, on the one hand, I want to give Boston some flowers. They were absolutely getting their butts kicked. They come back. They get into this game. What's going to stick in all of our minds isn't that comeback or the effort they got there. It's going to be the way the game ended because, frankly, the end of the game, Joel Embiid has the basket, uh, has the ball near the basket in prime position to score two that would have tied the game. There's a late attempt to double him. That leaves James Harden wide open from three points. He hits that shot. That gives him the one-point lead. It was a bit of a staggering defensive decision. And then on the other end of the court, they take so long to get set up offensively, they can't get up the shot that actually went in that would have won it, but it doesn't go in in time. And we're sitting here saying, how many times are we going to see the Celtics falter at the end without asking questions? Well, yeah, and a lot of people beforehand, you know, we had our questions about Joe Mazzulla and what he was able to do and draw up and whose you know, hands he's putting the ball into. I think in this case, I think everyone is warranted to take some blame. I give a tiny bit to Joe Mazzulla, but also I got to you know, put some onus in these players got to take accountability. You have your two best players on back-to-back possessions, one offensively, one defensively. And first, you had Jalen Brown, who decided that – he wanted to leave a guy who was five for eight at the time shooting three-pointers and go double Joel Embiid. In that situation, you have to understand you're down two points. So worst-case scenario, they tie the game up and then you get an opportunity for the last shot. And if you don't make the last shot in overtime, then the game goes to double overtime, right? That's the worst-case scenario. So, and he took responsibility for his actions. But then you go down on the offensive end, and then the basketball is in your best player's hands in Jason Tatum, and he doesn't have the awareness of understanding how much time is on the clock, passes the ball out to Marcus Smart, who hits the shot, but the buzzer goes off while the basketball in his, is in his hands. So now you have your two best players that you're counting on in every situation, whether it's defensively, offensively, but to just make plays for you when you need them the most and make them count. Both of those guys dropped the ball back-to-back trips down the court defensively and on the offensive end as well. Well, Jalen Brown, afterwards, you mentioned he took responsibility. This is what he said about his de- defensive game plan on that hardened three. Just a bad read. That's it. It's a gamble at the wrong time and big shot by James Harden, but that's that's my fault. You know, I take full accountability. Just a bad read. And I, I totally understand that. It felt questionable in the time in the moment, but I even hated the attempt at the game winning shot more 
simply because when you've got the ball in one of your best players' hands, they're driving towards the lane. they got a time, time uh, opportunity. If you're watching us on the app right now, when you see the, the drive at the end of the game, he had a ton of opportunity to draw some contact. That's what I thought was happening. The minute he started driving the lane, I was like, this is great. You got your score is going to go in, try and force his way to the line, make the refs put the game in their hands. That's fine. He kicks out so late. Mark yep. Smart never had a chance. It's not like Marcus Smart took a big uh, amount of time to gather and shoot. There was just no time left on the clock. The whole design was faulted. So it, it just didn't make yep. any sense. If it's for me when it comes to Jason Tatum, right, because I'm going to go back to um, a previous game as well, too. When Jason Tatum, remember when Malcolm Brogdon had that turnover at the, at the end of the shot clock? Mm-hmm. You remember who had the basketball first? Jason Tatum had the basketball with like a few seconds left on the clock. I would have loved in that situation to see him shoot the basketball. Now, it was two cases in this game. A lot of people may tell me that I'm crazy about the end of regulation because Marcus Smart got a wide-open look, and he just missed it. But if I'm Jason Tatum, I've seen him time and time again shoot over defenders and make some of the toughest shots I've seen a basketball player be able to make. And at the end of regulation, I don't care that Marcus Smart is wide open. I would love to see Jason Tatum shoot the basketball. At the end of overtime – I want you to shoot that basketball as well. I want you to have the mindset, you know what, I'm going to put this ball in the basket. I'm going to send us to the promised land. I'm going to allow us to be up 3-1 in this series. That's why you're a superstar. That's why you're Jason Tatum, to be put in those positions to carry your basketball team. I don't want you to get past happy. You're a superstar for a reason. Knock the shots down. And I can live with, if you don't make them, I can live with that, Fitz. I promise you I can. I can live with it. Well, and there's a ton of blame to go around here, but I also think there's a ton of credit to the Celtics for coming back. I will give them that. It is interesting right now, according to Caesars, odds to win the NBA title. The Celtics have the best odds. They're plus 160, all right? So Mm -hmm. uh, the Lakers have the second best odds, plus 375. What's interesting is that as we were getting ready for the show this morning, uh, the question came up, you know, how can you give the team with the worst, uh, that has had these collapses, the best odds to win the NBA title? Here's the only thing I would say, though, Harry. There's a massive yeah, but. Look up and down the board when you look at who has the best odds right now. The Lakers have AD, who we all know at this point is only going to show up every other game. So I can't trust that. The Warriors can't win on the road, so I can't trust that. The Nuggets just had a Herculean effort from their best player and still lost. Can't trust that. The Suns don't really have any depth, so I can't trust that. The 76ers have had some inconsistencies from Harden and Embiid still coming back from injuries. Can't trust that. Like, on the one hand, it's easy to say, why would the Celtics have the second best odds? But on the other hand, they have two great scores they have depth and they've managed to collapse yes but every single team it feels like has questions across the board right now well I think for me when I look at the NBA right now and I'm looking at the playoffs like for me the Celtics are clearly the favorite still in my eyes for a few reasons why it fits they have two guys that could pull put the ball in the basket at will they're bona fide scores they have a Batman they have a Robin they have a 1A and a 1B in Jason Taylor and Jalen Brown Right. They also, I think, are the deepest team left in the playoffs. When you look at their bench and they have the six men of the year, you look at what Al Horford are doing. They have two guys at the center position that can defend and also be a difference. You can have Al Horford trickle out and shoot uh, three pointers and hit meaningful threes in, in, in big games. He's done it over and over again and time and time again. So when you look at the Celtics makeup and what they have in those bona fide offensive scores, you, you have the deepest team, 
You also have a guy that was defensive player of the year last year, Marcus Smart. You have a team that was at the NBA Finals at, uh, a year ago as well, so they have the experience. So, of course, for me, they will be the favorite. They just got to get this late game, the late game blemishes under control because when you're playing against these upper echelon teams, not saying that Philly isn't, but if they just do things differently in the last two games, they possibly could have swept the 76ers. And this series will be over right now. In a wildly inconsistent, I think the most inconsistent NBA playoffs I can remember seeing, the lack of consistency from Boston concerns me the least. As weird as that is when you say it, they've, there's enough things that have worked out. So the question is, will the Celtics late game issues cost them an NBA championship? We'll get a definitive answer from an expert next, Fitz and Harry, on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Why did you take it upon yourself to retrieve the ball? The referee could have retrieved the ball. Because Okoji was on the ground and we had an advantage 5-4. Struggles continue for Golden State as they drop Game 3 in Los Angeles. How will the Warriors respond in Game 4 on the road again? Coverage begins tonight at 9.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app or on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance, breaking down everything you need to know from the weekend across the NBA, especially yesterday with some dramatic endings and some drama, as you just heard in SportsCenter. So the question is, what's next to help us figure all of that out? Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider. You can check him out on the Hoop Collective podcast joining us. Uh, Wendy, always appreciate your time. I'm going to ask you, before we get to what happens to Jokic, I want to take the other side of this. Matt Ishbia could have just given the ball back. He could have made things a little easier. He didn't. Will the league look at this or talk to him at all in your mind? It's possible. Um, I don't think it's materially going to affect the series. And even if they gave him some sort of reprimand, it wouldn't affect his bottom line too much. So um, <laughs> I think he was really should be, if you're a Suns fan, you got to love it because he – I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't have a chapter and verse memory of everything that's ever happened in an NBA playoff game. But if you want to show me a time where a courtside sitting owner materially positively affected the team's actual performance on the court, I will be waiting to hear it. Because not only did he prevent Jokic from starting a fast break, which who knows, maybe the official would have stopped it. I don't know if it would have happened, but he certainly stopped Jokic from trying to do it. And the flop helped them get the technical. If he flops, I don't know if he gets the tech. And they made the technical. It's a, he got his team a point. Like, you know, I know we can um, laugh and have fun and talk about it, but, like, 
it's a ridiculous situation that actually had an effect on the game. And so um, I know that, you know, there's, you know, we're in this world right now where, you know, the NBA views some little tiny bumps as suspension worthy and some, you know, major hits they don't even review for a flagrant foul. And I can understand why that's confusing and, um, and maybe not ideal, but just the, the circumstance itself was wild, just wild when you think, when you think about it. <laughs> Uh, listen, uh, Wendy, I'll tell you this. First, Matt Ishbia just get the damn ball back to, to Jokic so he could resume play. Secondly, man, you know, I, I'm impressed. I think, you know, he needs to be an actor. I think he needs a lead in a movie, Matt Ishbia, <laughs> because the way he flopped and got the refs to think that it was so drastic to give Jokic a tech, I'm all for that. I'm all for it. On, this, on another hand. Guys, I, when I first saw it, and I, and I have no skin in the game, I am not a Nuggets fan, I am not a Suns fan, <laughs> I laughed. It was, it was laughable. And, I mean, it, 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 it's on one hand remarkable, and on the other hand laughable. How can you not laugh? It's amazing that we're talking about this so much from it, Wendy, uh, but it's obviously going to impact the rest of the series. I should ask you any update at this point. Do you have any indication of if you expect uh, Jokic will see any punishment? I don't expect there to be a suspension based on what I've been told. And Matt Ishbia has come out today and made a statement that he doesn't is not advocating for any sort of punishment or suspension. I'm a little bit uh, once bitten, twice shy because I did not foresee the the Draymond Green thing leading to a suspension. Um, but uh, from what I understand, you know, this is not something that they're seriously considering. But uh, I guess I will, to a certain extent, wait and see. Now, Wendy, I, I got to say, when you look at the Celtics in the Sixers series, there have been some odd things going on on the Celtics side when it comes to the late game uh, blunders that they've had. Do you think those things can cost them from winning the NBA championship? Well, I think they're the better team, and they've played better for a majority of the minutes, and it's 2-2. And so when you do that, you have given the opportunity for the Sixers to steal. Um, and the Sixers have a couple of players who can have a transcendent game. Uh, you know, I don't know if Embiid is truly able right now with where that knee is, so I don't want to put to place the expectation on him, but we've seen him have a 50-point game in Boston uh, like six weeks ago. It's not like it's unheard of. He could do it. Um, and, you know, you, when you leave yourself open to just an incredible performance putting you in, in a bad position – that's a bit of a failure. I mean, you know, forget about the last play of overtime and the last play regulation. Let's just take a step back from that. The Celtics are up by five points with two minutes to play in that game. If you're going to be a championship team, you've got to close it out. you got to. And they, they failed to do that, and they failed to win game one at home without Embiid in there. And this is who the Celtics have been. They are immensely talented. They have great depth. They have the ability to defend at all the positions. They've got a ton going for them. But they lose their focus at times. It cost them throughout the playoffs last year. They, they skinned their way through it um, at uh, with two seven-game series wins. They won two game sevens last year. I mean, that's not going to happen every year. And here we are again, and they are again the better team and again an impressive team, and they are dangerously dancing towards heading to a game seven in this situation. So I can both – honor the Celtics for being an excellent team and also say they don't always play the most focused basketball when they have to. We're talking to Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Speaking of inconsistent, that leads us directly to AD and the Lakers. Uh, Lakers-Warriors game four, you've said, is the biggest of the series. Why? 
Well, I just think that from experience in covering series like this, I feel like the the winner of Game 4 will win the series. I don't always feel that way when it's 2-1. For example, um, I do not feel that way about this Knicks-Heat game. Uh, I think there's a lot of variables in there, and I don't think the Knicks have played their best basketball. So I'm not going to say that about that. But in this Lakers game, I feel that way. Because I think if the Lakers go up 3-1, I think they are a team that's strong enough that they won't lose three in a row. That would be interesting in the LeBron stuff wars um and i think the warriors with home court 2-2 with the series potentially going to seven that's i think that favors golden state as opposed to the to the lakers who are having to use a lot of energy in these games so i feel like the team that wins this game four tonight is in is in position and it's going to be uh, there's some strategy that i want to see uh num- number one will steve kerr go back to his bigger starting lineup with kevon looney um AD kind of toasted the smaller Draymond Green in game three. Now, it's hard to predict whether he'll do it again. Will he go back to that? The other thing is this series has very much been a chess match about how to handle Steph Curry. The Lakers came out and were totally getting in his way, uh, just face-guarding him no matter where he was on the court. The Warriors uh, maneuvered by putting Steph on the ball, basically having him play point guard. Uh, he was killing the double teams. It's much harder to defend him when he already has the ball. And with your pre- instead of presenting, preventing him from getting it, he had 12 assists in game two. Then in game three, they switched their defense on him, made it harder for pick and rolls, advantage Lakers. So what is the next step in that matchup as well? So, Wendy, really quick before we let you go, what's the one thing that the Warriors must do tonight in order to get a win? I know this sounds very basic. Shoot the three. Games one and two, they hit uh, 21 threes. Uh, each, um, they're so potent when they do that. Game three, they hit 13. Um, when they hit three-pointers, everything that they do is easier. And that's often the name of the game, and it's definitely the name of the game for them. Nobody but does it better than you, my friend. Thanks so much for the expertise. Thanks for hanging out with us. Enjoy your week. Brian Winhorst, ESPN NBA insider and host of the Hoop Collective podcast, giving us all the breakdowns. So, uh, Wendy doing great. Uh, now that Wendy, Wendy's gone, right? Like we can confirm Wendy's gone. Okay, Wendy just said that tonight's absolutely pivotal, pivotal, and it's the must-win game in the Lakers Warriors series. Now that he's gone, I can't hear me. I'm gonna tell you why he's wrong next. We'll do that. Fitz and Harry on ESPN <laughs> Radio on the ESPN app. Brought to you by Wendy's three-dollar breakfast deal. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Struggles continue for Golden State as they drop Game 3 in Los Angeles. How will the Warriors respond in Game 4 on the road again? Coverage begins tonight at 9.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app or on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. If you're watching us in the app, you just saw sweet, sweet dance moves you didn't know you needed. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. So, here's the thing, Harry. Uh Uh-oh. 
sometimes, uh oh, people tell me I'm a little stubborn. I've heard mm-hmm. that. I've heard that I can be a little pig-headed. I've heard that I can get dug in on my views and not necessarily always change. I, I've heard that. Heard that. I also just heard <laughs> Wendy tell us that it feels like tonight's a must-win in this uh, in this game uh, between the Lakers and the Warriors. It's a it's a must-win game because if the Lakers go up three-one, this series feels like it's done. I hear that. I just don't agree with it. I, I I understand the concept of why you don't want to go down three-one, and I'm not contrary to popular belief, stupid enough to think that anybody should just go down 3-1 just to prove you can dig yourself back. It's just, it's still Steph. It's still the Warriors. It's still a team that we know at home shoots particularly well. Is it ideal to go down 3-1? No. Am I going to just count the Warriors of all teams out when they go? I wouldn't count the Warriors or the Lakers out if they were in a 3-1 hole because both of these teams are good. Both of these teams can play when they want to unbeatably, and both of these teams have been in enough playoff Hmm. situations. I don't think 3-1's the death of anything. Hmm, 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 my friend. Okay. This is a uh, must-win game for the Golden State Warriors. They can't go down 3-1. And no, just like you, though, Fitz, I believe that there's a small percentage that tells me that, you know, the Warriors could come back from a 3-1 deficit. But you also have to look at who's on the opposite side of that 3-1 deficit you will be coming back from. That's LeBron James. That's your GOAT. We can't forget that. We cannot forget that, right? It is LeBron James he's going against. And I think it's different from when, you know, LeBron came back from being down 3-1 against Steph. You know what I mean? You look at LeBron being the physical specimen that he is, and he really, really hasn't. I, I still don't think he has really put his foot down on this series yet. So you go down 3-1, whether that's tonight for LeBron, if the Lakers win it. But if you go down, if that's not tonight and you go down 3-1, now you still have those other games open for LeBron James to be able to put his foot in his staple on this series. Now, anything is possible. Anything is feasible. But if you're the Golden State Warriors, that's the last thing you want to do is go down 3-1. So I think this is a must win for them. If you're the Los Angeles Lakers in you go back to the Chase Center in the Bay Area, and it's tied 2-2. I think both of these teams could still win this series at that point. Now, I picked the Warriors to win it, and now looking at the series, I'm going to pick the Warriors to win it in seven. I think previously I picked them to win it in six, but I think they're going to come out and win it in seven. I just think it's a situation where you have two of the best players that ever played the game and Steph Curry and LeBron James, and you can't count them out in any situation. But if you look at the two teams, I think it would be harder for the Golden State Warriors to come back down from 3-1 than it would be for the Lakers to win this series with it being tied 2-2. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio, by the by the way. Tune in tonight. The Lakers host the Warriors. You know this. Presented by Indeed. You know that as well. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and also on Sirius XM Channel 80. This is what our buddy Jay Williams had to say on Keyshawn J. Willemax from Keyshawn J. Willemax. He was on Get Up this morning when he was asked if tonight is a must-win for the Warriors. Must-win for Golden State? No, it's a must-win for the Los Angeles Lakers. If they win this game tonight, the series is over. Right. This is how they were able to do it against Memphis. Right? Like, think about the cumulative effect of having seven games in 14 days, what that does. You don't want the series to continue. You close it out tonight. AD, even games, hasn't been playing well. Odd games he has. Tonight's an even game. You need Anthony Davis to be demonstrative defensively and offensively. 
Yeah, I mean, but people in hell want ice water, too. Like, I understand <laughs> the, the concept, like, just need this from AD. But uh, until we see it right now, like, I mean, the stats are telling me that that's just going to be virtually impossible. I, I hear what Jay Will is saying. Mm -hmm. You want to get this thing done. I just think, frankly, and as much as everybody is painting me into the corner of a Lakers hater, I, right now, I think the Lakers are the better team in this series. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers win this series. It is an advantage for the Lakers to end this series as quickly as possible. I think we all know that. I just wouldn't count either of these teams out, no matter what the count is, because in one game, if the Warriors are shooting lights out from three, they're going to win. If AD is playing yep. the way AD can play, they're going to win. Like, both sides have the easy if this, then that, that leads to a win. I'll tell you what, what really bothered me about game three is that the Warriors had an 11-point 11, 11 lead with like 7.53 to go in the second quarter. The Warriors ended up having nine turnovers in that quarter. And next thing you know, I think the Lakers went up 11 points at halftime. But it's not like the turnovers haven't been an issue for the Golden State Warriors, not just this year, Fitz, but for the last five or six years. Yeah. So it's not like those are just going to all of a sudden just go away. Now, they did a better job of it, you know, I think early on in this series. But it really showed that second quarter is when things really got away from them. And I, I kept saying to myself, man, Jordan Poole coming in the game and just being a turnover machine. We've seen six turnovers from Klay Thompson. We've seen Looney have a few. Steph Curry had three. But how are you going to give yourself a chance to win this ball game if, number one, you're turning the ball over frequently, having nine and one quarter, but then secondly, you missed 31 threes on top of the turnovers in a ball game. So totally turnover-wise, the Warriors had 19, and that led to 27 points for the Los Angeles Lakers. So that's why I'm saying, like, it, this, this game four is so pivotal for the Golden State Warriors because it's going to be another one of these games down the line where they're going to have turnovers as well. That's just the nature of the business because when your DNA is who you are. You are who you are. No, you're right, and it's years of this. Like, it hasn't prevented them from titles, but it is. you, you make a really good point about the turnovers. The other thing that I think is really interesting in this series – is that it has been about adjustments every game. Like, it feels like, all right, the Lakers come out, then Steve Kerr adjusts, they get a win, then Darvin Ham adjusts, the Lakers get a win, now Steve Kerr's going to adjust, they'll get a win, like, back and forth. I'm waiting to see a team make that massive adjustment within the game. Like, oh, man, didn't see this coming, now we got to do that. It feels like that's what we're missing here because once the adjustment's made at the beginning of the game, the other team doesn't seem to have a counterpunch, right? So, uh, well, how it's, – it's, it's, but, but, see, it's, it's, it's easy for me for the Warriors, too, though. Like, okay, you – you can't turn the basketball over, and you also can't have four technical fouls in the same quarter as well, and you got to hit your threes, right? <laughs> you, you gotta I, but think about what you're saying. Like They didn't shoot well. I mean, they got beat by a, a, a boatload for a reason. They didn't shoot well. They weren't careful with the basketball, and they emotionally imploded. For that's a right. team that's a defending champion. Like, that's not what we're used to seeing from a – like, it, we have in our minds over eras that's defending champions play clean. Look, though. That's because we're seeing stuff happening on this Golden State Warriors basketball team that we didn't see in the past. You hear the rumblings about Jordan Poole and his playing time. Jordan Poole, shut the hell up and go out there and perform. That's what I tell you because when I'm watching, you're not living up to your standards. And then I think you had Kaminga early on. Steph had to give a speech before the Kings, uh, I think, the last few games of that series for guys to get out their feelings. We're not accustomed to hearing this from the Golden State Warriors. We, yeah, we, we just aren't. You're a thousand percent right. We are accustomed to absolutely incredible performances in the playoffs so far. The question is, who's been the best? We'll answer that next. Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 